Welcome to the Headley Heads Show. This is episode number 64, and I am your host, Gucci, and with me I have Luke Warmhands. Yo. Hosting this week also with us is a guest known by Jiffy Lou. Hey. Can't replace Kevin, but yeah, really can. <laughs> you could try. And as a special guest, we have a person that shall remain nameless because we will play a little bit of a game. Guess who it is? But if you guys really, really, really want to assign him a name for this week, should be what? Kyle, what do you think? Bob from Mexico. Bob from Mexico. Okay. All right. I ho- hopefully this is not a dead giveaway, but we'll see. We'll play this game. What have you guys been up to? Ah, man, I haven't been doing nothing. Nada? Nah, man, just nothing really going on. I finally fixed my Nitro from RCHO that flew for about <laughs> uh, three and a half seconds. <laughs> it, it finally was fixed that. It was festive. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's RCHO, so everything goes in. I crashed. Uh, I crashed once. Our buddy Mitch crashed about seventeen times. So it's mm. good. Yeah, it went well. But how did Bob do out there on the West Coast? <laughs> Yeah, like how 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 did you uh, how did Bob fare uh, in the past couple of weeks? He's been good. Any fixing? I, I'm with Kyle here. I, I haven't done much. I mean, been working and then expecting a lot of snow, so just getting ready for the snow. Oh yeah, we are too, and we're supposed to get ice too, which sucks. Uh-huh. You guys with your snow and cold, and even Kyle gets snow and cold. And I went out flying today because it was 65 and sunny. So well, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, You're well. stupid. It was about 40, 46 degrees today. It was pretty close to summer for us. Yeah. Yeesh. Hey, AJ, guess what? what? I hope that whole part of the, the continent just falls off the map. Hey, man, I, I, I do want some beachfront property. That'll make sense. <laughs> if, if I'm on the beach, then the amount of money I pay in rent makes sense. But if yeah, not, it could, it's just miserable. It could be an island, huh? Soon. I, I am an island. That's what they tell me. <laughs> Oh Lord! But you know, sounds like we all done a few things. I I kind of stayed away from the hobby. I mean, I really don't have anything right now to do anyway. It's cold as heck down in or up in South Kanakistan, in Ohio. Yeah. So, but all yeah. right. You ready for get into our weeks? I'd like to thank- first. Please first. Oh God. Damn it. <laughs> um. <laughs> you you said it. You said it. He yeah, he beat me to it. it. So, yeah, he beat me to it. It's all go. So, okay. like I mentioned, I changed brands here recently. I uh, got some new helicopters. Same equipment in the helicopters, but new airframes. So, started flying the Spectre V2s. So, retuning a little bit. Just because I was really curious, I left the same settings that were in my logo in the 760. Other than, again, obviously, the, the basic setup stuff to see what would be similar, what would be different. And it was a fair amount of difference. So it was kind of cool to see the differences between airframes and how they react to the flight control. Was it like a complete difference or it was just, you would have to, you you know, like maybe like an entry-level person only been flying for a couple of years, they would not notice it. What do you think? 
So gains definitely had to be lower. Uh, Nick Maxwell actually made a pretty interesting post on one of the Fataba um, groups on Facebook about gains in general and some, some stuff that I hadn't really thought about. Things like a shorter helicopter needs a lower gain, uh, mm-hmm. at least on, you know, particularly an elevator. Hadn't really thought too much about that. Okay. So lower my gains quite a bit. And the uh, and again, probably because of the center of gravity and stuff, the and the uh, head ratio, the, the Spectre's really fast off center compared to the logo. Mm-hmm. So I had to change the authority stuff a little bit. Things it I think they would have noticed, but it's not kinda of hard to figure out what to change unless you've been around for a little bit. I think you just say, oh this is really quick, but I still want it to feel how I want it to feel. So I was able to tweak a little bit to get the settings how I wanted to still um quicker than the logo but not like strangely quick not not uncontrollably quick off center hmm. that's interesting because I, I i don't think about that you know do you i guess kyle you've been flying the same brand for a while too and the same heli uh not only heli but radio too right so yeah i just have numbers that just you punch it in and you know what you're gonna get every single time mm-hmm. but is it different between the kraken and the raw and stuff or is it the same for you no nah, it's the same head and same geometry so you just throw it in let it rip Mm-hmm. Like small adjustments. Yeah, I mean, it is a big difference. I mean, the the logo to the Spectre is a really big difference. I mean, similar weight, but design wise and height wise enough, it's really different. Um, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Some of the numbers are different. I'm with you, Cal. I'm pretty sure 95 percent of how the model flies is all just head ratio. Everything else is just dead weight around it. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but different head ratio, obviously, between the logo and the and the Spectre, so that changed things up a little bit, but. Well, it's, it's, I enjoy doing that. Some of the tweaking a little bit, it's kind of a learning thing. I feel like I get smarter and then I forget it, but you know, start getting smarter. <laughs> you get used to it. It's like a, just another day in, at the office, right? Yeah. Interesting. What else? What yeah. else? Do you work for a living or are you just like bum? I mean, I try to just be a bum mostly, but no, I, I work a lot. Um, I'm an engineer by title. So I do a little bit of work here and there, but when you can work from home, there's some added flexibility a little bit. So mm-hmm. I work when it's dark and I try to get some flying in here and there when I can during the day, but not that often. I don't yeah. fly during the week. That often, but. Gotta love that flexibility, right? In the workplace. Man. Mm-hmm. Man, it's nice. Not a lot of good things about this whole bullshit like last two years, but not having to go into the office freaking day is... One of those positive things. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm, I get cooked up in the house, and but right now it's even worse because it's cold, so I can't really go outside if I even if I wanted to. There's nothing you could do but freeze your freeze your ear, you know, ears off. So, gotta figure out how to fly the the logo 200 from inside. Yeah, well, they have an indoor. It's a huge athletic field at a local college or university. Um, but I just never have the time, you know, it's usually Friday nights and I'm like, I'm over the whole week at that point. I don't want to go anywhere. So. Just done. Yep. But yeah. Anything else? What else? Got anything else? Um, not a ton else. I mean, that's kind of the big thing was doing that a little bit. Um, I have been, you know, making fun of people for being in the cold, but <laughs> I mean, I guess really 
with the whole flying and the new models and stuff, I started looking at F three N sets again and started to try to practice some F three N again a little bit. Yeah. And with some of the global three D sets too to figure out if I want to try to think about competing again. But God, I want to stop competing because I'm tired of getting my ass kicked. But I like competing because I like to have a purpose and practicing. So it's just nothing. Nothing wrong with competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, tell us how you feel about competition. Nah, I'm uh, I, I did my time. I'm on I the same my... page. I took a look at the website the other day, AJ, and I was like, mm, do I really want to go there and get my kicked? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, so someone told me that they were easier, that those sets were easier than the global or than the F3N ones. And I looked at them going, I can't even picture some of the shit in my head and like how to move the sticks. Oh, I don't know about all that. So that seems like I didn't even see the set, so I might have to go look at them. <laughs> there's I'm find them right now. Them. Yeah, there's. I mean, they all have fun names and stuff. And I guess there's a video of Kenny Ko doing all of them because Kenny Ko is ridiculously good, and <laughs> we want to not compete even a little bit. Oh, good. Do we normalize it? You get your thousand, and I get my two hundred. My my two fifty. Perfect. Bob just read. Can we talk about Keddy Co for a second because yeah. he used to come to events and contests with me and Stacy for years and years and years. And then one day, whatever he took, I want to take because he just became elite. <laughs> uh-huh. Stupid. So annoying. What do you think it is? I, I don't know. Like it was. It was like night and day, right? Like he just like out of nowhere, it's like yeah, he's a good pilot. And then it's like he went to Treaty Masters or something like that before it was global. And just shit all over everybody. It is nuts. What do you think yeah. it was? Do you think it was something in the water? Do you think just something happened in his practice routine? What do you guys think? I couldn't even I tell mean, you. if I had to guess, he probably just got tired of getting beat. Okay. But he also has to back up getting tired of getting beat. Because I'm tired of getting beat too, but I don't have the skill to back it up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Of those two phase problems, right? Like uh, <laughs> converting potential energy to mechanical energy, huh? That's yeah. I mean, I know Bob over here can convert kinetic energy to you know stopped pretty quickly, but <laughs> Lord, oh Lord, what you been doing, Kyle? Uh, um, I've just been working. Um, we finally got some raw 580 kits in stock. Let's see, uh. We should have all of them shipped out by the time this episode goes live. So if you order one from PK, then should be en route to you, uh, to you and your house. So um, yeah, just been receiving those and dealing with the dealing with all that and UPS delays and all that fun stuff. Other than that, um, like I said earlier, I fixed my raw nitro finally. Um, I take that back. It's still not ready. Actually, I forgot to do something to it. So. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to take well, off and it's just going to shit itself. What part number are you missing, Kyle? Uh, yeah, HA050. I need some servo horns. <laughs> he knows them all. Of course. No, that thing hit the ground so weirdly, but it broke way more than it should have. It didn't even look like it either, but it broke. Dude, those are the weirdest. Those crashes break the most shit. I had a, I was flying a buddy's helicopter, a T-Rex, that he had just really hate-fucked multiple times, and it was fine. I tipped it over in an auto, and it broke. Six hundred dollars worth of parts. It was practically a rekit. It was the dumbest thing. It broke servo cases, metal servo. Cases. Like it makes yeah. sense when things break and when they don't break. It's the dumbest thing. 
I've literally hung helis in trees and broken less than I did in that stupid crash at our CHO. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bob, Bob, Bob was doing some some heavy engineering when he was trying to fix some <laughs> some mishaps at RCHO. I don't know if you call it engineering, but uh, <laughs> we were doing some wrenching, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call them crashes, though. Kyle had some crashes. You know, we just had some parts that were broken. <laughs> my rule is if main blades don't break, it doesn't count as a crash. Ooh, oh, my that, God. Oh, I don't know. Blade stop autos that never come back. That... I have never broken blades in a blade stop auto that never came back, but I have absolutely re-kitted helicopters. <laughs> but it's it's a good you know view to to use that as a go no go, because it's like you know if you never let you know let your glass of beer or liquor or whatever go empty, that means you're still on your first glass. Same 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 idea, I like right? This. I like that theory right mm-hmm. there. I never yeah. heard that one, but I like yeah. it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. It's not empty. I'm, I stole the first glass. As long as you keep pouring in there, it stays full. Still the first glass. <laughs> Let's roll with yeah. it, baby. Did you do any flying, Kyle? Um, no. It's been really unbelievably cold down no, here. No, I don't want to hear it. That I just uh, oh, it hit sixty degrees. <laughs> Uh, no, man. We had below freezing temperatures here. It was like twenty six Sunday morning. Well, your door, your door looks to the house doesn't wow. open. Yeah, but what, what did it get up to, though? What did it get up to in the middle of the afternoon? 60? No, not even. It was like 45, maybe? That's summer. Just freaking dumb. It was 45 on Sunday, but uh, Thursday of this week, it's going to be 82. So, you know. So no excuses. Right? Might even take your jacket off at 82. <laughs> I might, man. Shorts, yeah. Shorts back pull, on. Might, yeah, buzz out the shorts, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... No, not much flying, but uh, we'll get back to it once it warms up a little bit. But that's all I got. Hmm. So this leads, all roads lead, lead to Gucci. Let's see. Well, I'm with you, Kyle. It's cold. But not like Florida cold. I'm talking like negative eight. <laughs> I think one night or one morning we had like negative 18 feel like temperature. So that's really a thing. Like it, it really does get yeah. that cold. Michigan wasn't bad like yeah. that. I no, it, it, he's right. It's real. It's, it's it's so cold that just you could see it's cold from inside. It could be sunny. It could be clear day, <laughs> and it's like you could see how cold it is outside. When the why do you live there? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe because I can make good money up here, so I can't get away from it. You you work from home. You it doesn't matter. I know. I'm I'm prepping. I'm prepping for something. Yeah, okay. If I could, if get I could make, get get my wife to change her mind about living close to family, that's that's the hold up. Hmm. So yeah, no flying for me. I still don't have a three blade Kraken helicopter. Unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that helicopter, there's also a set of servos that will go into the raw five eighty. So that puts a damper on things because. The Raw 580, like you said, shipped, so I'm excited about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking forward to building that one. Uh, I might contract it out, maybe. I think I'm going to do it. I might take some pictures and post some pictures of building it. And uh, You should. It'll go yeah, quick. I don't think it's, it's anything crazy. I mean, it's, you know, they've always been pretty straightforward. But 
I kind of had a moment today, and I was like, oh, great, they're all 580 shipped. But then I realized that I still need to buy a motor, and I need full-size servo mount. <laughs> nah, that's optional. that's optional. Yeah, just what, duct tape the servos to the, to the mini mounts? Yeah. yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. CA, high saw, get the, you know, get fancy, get the, you got, you got, it's guys, a sacri- the, they're building anyway, they have a, it's a sacrificial there. mount, that's what we'll call it. So I need yeah. the motor, the servo mounts, and I need maybe, I don't know, we'll have to talk about it, Kyle, but pinions to give me a little bit of a range running a 7S. Yep. Because uh, I really want to run a 6S motor KV wise, I want to do the 1120 to keep it. So it could, you know, I could do 7S, I could do 8S, or I could do 6S, whatever. I've heard of a lot of people wanting to go 8S on that model. It seems like a popular size to go 8S. The so prop. Interesting to see people trying to go but 8S. But let's be honest, how many 8S, like 8S batteries are out there? I mean, I guess, you know, you could match, you could do a 5-cell, whatever, you know, like I get it. No, I mean, so I think that if there's a demand for it, then some of the battery manufacturers are going to see that and and go for 8S. I know that there's some that are getting tested here shortly, but I mean, it's, I think 8S is going to, I think that just like 3S, 2200s kind of went away in favor of 4S and 6S on the little mm-hmm. helicopters. I have a feeling that on a 580, the 6S and 8, it's either, people are, a lot of people are running 12S, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like they don't want to run a, you know, they don't want to run two packs or a stick pack or yeah. whatever. So a single 8S might be the medium in between a 6S, which is not enough and a little bit heavy, versus a 12S, which is complicated. I really think 7S with 600 blades is going to be clutch. I think that's what I'm shooting for, you know, to get a decent, and it's all obviously on weight of the batteries and everything else, to get a, a better uh, disc loading. That's why... I, 4500s maybe yeah like you know i i know what it would be exactly but i'm gonna i'm planning to run a 7s 5000 milliamp in it so and run 600 blades that'd be a little big but seems big yeah it seems like either 6s 5000 7s 4500 or like 8s 4000 i feel like that's the that makes the the sense again i just hover over flags so i think i'll get away with it oh are you gonna use the 580 for uh for Nats this year? Definitely not. Hope it's not a yeah, windy day. Definitely not. I'm going with the big kahuna again, Genesis. If if I go, I kinda already know. My this year is gonna be another weird year for us. So but realistically, so really not much going on hobby wise. Kinda. I do have the hobby room is drywalled and we're ready to start finishing drywall. So the RC hobby room will be hopefully put into commission, I think by the end of February, I'm thinking. So I'll have an actual bench, like workbench. I'll have the helicopter shelves up. I'll have 20 amp uh, service for the charging needs. So I should pretty much have everything in that room. And I even pulled a data, I'm gonna hardwire the network down there so I don't have to worry about signal, Wi-Fi, all that BS. It's gonna be straight into the router system. So so yeah, I'm excited about that. Yep. Beautiful. Well, that's it. Doing it the right way, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean I've only been waiting 
since what 10 years since 2012 when i started building helis in the hot muggy south carolina garage in the house i live yeah the kitchen table where that was the that was the the ticket was for going to helis is i used to do giant scale planes and i'm like this is stupid i could just take the heli put it right on the kitchen table and be just fine in the ac (laughs) i made that mistake i built a I built a giant scale play plane last year or the year before. I think the year before. And I did it in the garage in the summer. And I sweat my balls off yeah, doing that thing. Not worth it, is it? <laughs> Just wait till it gets bigger. Yeah, wait till it gets bigger. Start doing 200cc stuff. Like, I wanted to do something upstairs on my 126 inch plane. I'm like, well, I'm not bringing it upstairs. So I guess I'm going to just not work on it. That's what ends up happening. I don't even that know what size mine. I think it's a hundred and four inch, and it's plenty big for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, with yeah. AJ, do you still compete in fixed wing? I do. Um, do the I do the IMAX stuff, and I'm actually starting to do some pattern stuff here too. Okay. So all the precision three C equivalent kind of stuff. Um, it's fun. It's big. Have to have a second car yeah. because or a big car anyway. It's just it's just takes up room. That's the. It, it's harder to harder to get excited about working on stuff as opposed to like I, said, I built two helicopters and you know five days not really working that hard you know working and just kind of working on evenings you can build two helicopters but airplanes it's like ugh, it's such I don't a know pain. if you can build two helicopters in an evening it's crazy <laughs> no five no no a couple evenings a couple evenings <laughs> oh okay okay that makes more sense five yeah five days five or five days really just working you on you build two helicopters in an evening that's a disaster going to happen the next day. I've seen some people try to do that oh, shit before. I, oh, gosh. Or building them under the influence of <laughs> alcohol. Did I put a juice bowl in? I made did that you? mistake once. Ooh. Yeah. Tailblade fly off or the main blade? What, which no. which Jesus bolt did you forget to lock tight? No, everything was safe-ish. I just, the inner and outer races I uh, for the thrust bearings, I got them mixed up in my head. And it hovered fine at, you know, 1,400 RPM. But as soon as I hit an idle up, there was no control. And then throughout a hold, it came back, and I was really stumped for a little bit. <laughs> so as soon as there was some load on the grips, I had no more cyclic, no more collector. <laughs> so you must have had, like, one forward, one backwards or something. You must have had, like, one incorrect and one in all kinds of fucked up. No, they were, I'm pretty sure, uh, maybe I had all the small ones in, because I had, like, two heads apart. I didn't fly it under the influence. I built it the night before, I went out in the yeah. morning, and I was like, this, something's I not right here. That. I bet, it, yeah, I bet it was that, because I put thrust bearings in backwards, and it Flies like shit, and the tracking goes really bad. But I had control; it just flies like ass. Yeah, I think I had four small ones in there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> Those are called thrust bushings, Bob. That thing was, that thing <laughs> yeah, was locked at four degrees pitch, and nothing more, nothing less. You ain't getting shit out of it. This is years ago. You, you graduated. Yeah. Mistakes like that don't happen, right? <laughs> 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 All right. Well. With that, what's so? What's the dumbest thing that you've ever done, working or building a helicopter? Just for Bob? Yeah. Oh, I mean that's pretty high up there. Um, well, we got to circle back to that. Let me let we'll, me think we'll on that do, one. We'll hit you with it, and right. once we get to yeah. the the main heli questions, we'll give you some time. Yeah. We got we got to slow down AJ over here. <laughs> No, you just made me think about doing really stupid things, and now, like, you know, uh, so. it comes natural to you. Yeah, well, 
you do stupid things a lot, then, you know, it doesn't seem so stupid anymore. They seem like just things then. <laughs> I could say one time I, I took the, the ball link off of one blade and tried to take off and fly it around like that just because I was bored. And it kind of worked. <laughs> Cause that was just plain dumb. It wasn't like I made a mistake or, you know, put something in backwards. I was like, yeah, what happens if we just pop one blade or a ball link off? Oh, you did it voluntarily. <laughs> yeah. Like I just walked out there to the field one day and wanted to, you know, spice it up or something. <laughs> Your blade must've been tight as hell in the grip. Otherwise it would have just boom struck when you spooled up. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure it got off the ground and I was like, well, this is a dumb idea. Spice <laughs> it up. Some people get like a new canopy or like a new set of blades. Like man, stick <laughs> parts off. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna see how good the bearings are. We'll see if it's see where Listen, it likes to it's sit. It's okay. Sometimes you just gotta spice it up. You know, like you said, sometimes you gotta be a minimalist in, in parts count. So he's just gonna <laughs> there's a there's a hashtag just to spice the thing, yeah. just to spice it up. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Multi-purpose hashtag. <laughs> Pitchlings lives matter. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I had. Ask any, anything else? Any additions before we go into, uh, you know, what's what's newish? What what we can what can we enlighten people about that's going on in the heli community? All right. So it used to be Vat is hot, but we don't have fence post here. So what should we call this, Kyle? And please don't say news and announcements because that would be cloning. Uh, Got to be yeah. something kind of unique. How about we say hot, hot off the press, hot off the press, hot, hot off, off the press. press. Yep. Classic. So we clone we clone somebody, Let's but do I don't it. think it's any podcasts. So we're good. Safe. Perfect. Uh so not many things. I do have like four things that I identified here. So the first thing that I thought was pretty good. Um that because it's up and coming, it's something that we continuously definitely talk about on the hangout is that Hobbyland came out with a SBUS2 telemetry module that will give accurate telemetry data to the Futaba CGY760 and 69Z. So, you know, there was issues with even with the Hobbywing that, um, you know, you could make it work, but it wasn't accurate in some, some of the fields. Well, Supposedly, this actually clears all that out. And I there's a video that um, a Hangout member posted. And it actually, you know, perfect. You know, you could even set up your poll counts to give you accurate RPM uh, indication. Um, it gives you capacity used, all that stuff. You could set up alarms. So it pretty much equals what you would get through the, the V-Touch. There's no more... You know, nice. You know, this is not accurate, or it's not that good. Whatever the case may be, it's it's all clear. And it's thirty bucks, so it's a little module that goes between the telemetry port of the Hobbywing and the S bus CGI slot in the CGI seven fifty, the seven sixty. So pretty interesting. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, there's a video of how to set it up, how to what do they call it, AJ. When you register, 
Yeah. I mean, the video was really good. Um, I mean, I remember who did it, but I don't remember what the, I mean, it was. But it walks you through the, every step where you register the module yeah. to the link. Yeah, you got to register. Yeah, register the sensors. Yep, register as a sensor. Um, register as a sensor and then set things up that way. And then you can set up the telemetry page and the telemetry setting. So it, you know, it looks like it's, it's good. simplistic. Um, I know. See, there's more integration now. Yeah, with, with the Vataba stuff from a purely selfish level now between the Scorpion, Tribunus 2 mm -hmm. telemetry working, the Contronic, and now this. It sure seems like the big names, with the exception of YG, and I know YG is coming back pretty strong, uh, all have with Vataba now as well. So good to see that for those who like telemetry, and I, I like it, I'm just too lazy to do anything about it. Um, Photographer, and it's it's. I'm glad to see. You it's know, I there. even have the same style module that you could put uh, in line for your old Tribunus's two hundreds, and you'll get full telemetry. Yeah, you, you got one of those. So yeah, I keep meaning to get one of those too, but because I have a couple yeah, of old. So. I got two but. all the way from Germany. You ever want to try it out? Let me know. I'll send you one. Yeah, I think we should, we should probably talk about that. We'll do. So the other thing, kind of moving on down the list, is, you know, and this is not, you know, in any shape or form, I'm not, I don't want to get into the discussion of cloning, not clon whatever. But it was, there was uh, AJ Clem, I think his name is. No, A, A Clem. Sorry. A Clem, not A AJ. Clem no, posted no, A Clem. A, uh, some pictures of the Steam Armor 700. And it's a 700-style heli that looks like the Tara 550-600s, like all plastic. Kind of has a canopy. I don't know if, if you want to call it a canopy. It's more like a plastic. Do you call yeah, the raw canopy like a canopy? It's like a plastic Lego cap of the heli. Um, but, it, you know, it's just, you know, he was posting that he put a bunch of JR uh items you know electronic wise um electrical setup which is pretty neat so i thought that was pretty cool that there's a semi maybe it was been going on for a while but a new 700 that people are messing around with which was cool and let's see so the next two items are kind of interrelated but i kind of want to touch uh bases about the supply chain slowdown that uh came comes from the video that bert uh posted which was very interesting because until now like i know we might have seen like written notices from people like oh you know it's a slowdown in you know due to covid and shipping and but he did I th what i thought was a pretty good step-by-step step or why everything is taking that much longer and identifying the steps that it takes to get main shafts all the way from where they're being manufactured to, you know, BK uh, hobbies or SAB USA, you know, whatever case may be, it's, it's, everything is exponential. And on top of that, it's not only taking longer to per the video for it to ship from, the distributor like in Vietnam to us, but what they get from their sub vendors per se, that's taking longer too, because all the, all the shipping delays. So that was pretty interesting that he was, you know, he gave us a quick video of, Hey, you know, 
we hear you, but there's, you know, our hands are literally tied. Like, there's nothing we could do about it. We just do our best. So, that was pretty cool. I don't know if Kyle, if you had anything to do with it, or if Bert was, I want to do a video, but that was, that was neat to hear that discussion. Yeah, we've just been seeing some comments online from people complaining like, hey, I can't get a tail boom, or I can't get blades, or I can't get whatever, and, you know, just wanted to try and do a video to clear it up a little bit, because... We do order absolutely as much as we can get our hands on. Like uh, Bert said, you know, we'll order 30 tail booms. They'll send us eight. It'll take three weeks for them to get here. And then they're sold in about, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes. So we do our best. It's just we used to get shipments every single week. And now we get about one a month. So it's just everything that comes in goes immediately right back out. So we're trying to bridge that gap a little bit. You know, it's not a lack of ordering because we order more than we technically need and we just we never get what we actually need so we're doing our best but yeah so you we'll, tried to uh, we'll bounce back. Back. so and with mm. chinese new year too yeah chinese new year screws things up too for some of the other companies for you know for me i don't know how much it affects sab with them being in vietnam and stuff but other companies i mean you're talking two to three weeks of literally nothing getting done in terms of manufacturing or movement of you know chinese products so even if you plan really far ahead if things don't get out by you know the day before chinese new year you're talking three weeks plus which you know doesn't seem like a long time until you need something and it's a really long time so it all it yeah. all right just the, you know things that you think you can plan for you still can't plan for and then between shipping shipping time right now it's impossible to get things with any sort of certainty on when you're gonna get them. yeah yeah, we just had an order from SAB leave uh, shortly after the 580 kits, and they're still in Vietnam because Vietnam closes down for a week due to Chinese New Year, and right now he can't even get a hold of UPS over there, so we don't know if it's going to start moving or when it's going to start moving and head this way, and that's just to get the ball rolling. It still could be another two weeks from that point, so just a huge pain in the butt. Yeah, I mean, I ordered some stuff from China too, and it once it started moving it was good but it just stopped it said it had exported and then it didn't so it took you know i waited a week of it not moving and i started then i filed a like a lost package and amazingly it started moving again that day but it just it, things that seems you know it's a three to five day service that took two and a half weeks because they felt like yeah. it and what are you going to do and that was that yep. was interesting because that video came out but right before that uh, Mikado USA made a post on their uh, page that the first logo helicopter shipment arrived in the States in months. Which we know the changes they made to what you could yeah. only buy from Mikado USA helicopter wise. But, you know, their post also made a interesting note, I guess, um, which was per Mikado, the in the US Mikado USA supply versus demand is one to five. So if there's a unit of whatever, let's say a main shaft, there's potentially five orders pending, right? Against that one. So it's just crazy how upside down it is. And we know that electronics are even worse probably, right? Because of the the uh, chip shortages. So because you I saw a lot of posts, you know, hey, do you what can I find a V-Touch in stock? And it's like, I don't, there's slim to none, you know, at least in the States that I know of. There's not a lot, or they're like, 
you right. know, like the mocha color, you know, not just the plain black color, you know, um, V-Touch, which is, it's crazy. You know, we live in a very weird time. And with that too, prices change too. So I didn't go to a lot of classes in college, but the ones I did go to were supposed to be economics classes. So when supply and demand changes, I mean, when supply is low and demand gets high, prices go up. And it's not even, you know, it's not the end, you know, it's not going to be BK Hobbies or Mikado USA's fault. It's the manufacturers and, you know, the mm-hmm. individual components that the supply, you know, and the demand or the, the supply is known and the yeah. demand is really high. So, you know, the, the prices go up from, you know, a screw all the way up, right? So, you know, or a chip in this case of the chip shortage. So someone's got to more at some point and it and it ends up being everybody because you know businesses if they if they don't do something then they can't keep affording to buy more stuff if they don't make a little bit of profit too so it just so when prices start to fluctuate and change i think the general consumer needs to be aware of that too that it's just it's not because people are greedy it's just well i'm sure like a big market like automakers right (laughs) they order a lot more chips than mikado you know, to make the radios. So those guys will always win that, you know, supply over, that supplier over to get the parts. Yeah, but you still see the rental car, pr- or the, the you know, the, not rental car, the, you know, the used car prices and car prices right now are just yeah. absolutely freaking astronomical. Dealers are, you know, eight to $10,000 premiums on their stuff because fuck you, that's why. So. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, yep. just some, just a few things into that we wanted to bring up and discuss about what's hot or what's being discussed, uh, what's pertinent to today's world. So in a hobby, so that's kind of all I had. I didn't see anything else. Anything gone once, gone twice. So nothing. Okay. And then with that, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. man what happened it's like our buddy nick said i ran out of talent you sure there was any talent before honey way to kick a guy when he's down well here's the credit card thanks babe guess you're gonna be on bkhobbies.com all night it's looking that way dear it's looking that way if you crash your goblin as much as i do you need a reliable resource for sab parts BKHobbies.com carries all SAB models and parts, as well as BK servos, switchblades, and various electronics with fast shipping. I mean, these guys don't even stop for hurricanes. It's a fact Bert and Kyle have some of the best customer service in the industry. So head on over to BKHobbies.com today. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we took a quick break, and now let's get the show on the road. This is where we play Guess Who? Who is Bob from Mexico? Some people might know, some might not. So we're going to go through some questions, personal, heli, more personal, less personal. We'll just kind of hit him with some questions, and let's see, based on the answers that he gives us, if we could narrow down who. Bob from Mexico. What do you guys think, fellas? Let's do it. Oh, All fun. the cool kids already know who Bob from Mexico is. So. Yeah. <laughs> All the 
That's right. It is February too, so they're having uh, RCHO is having their chill out. It's coming up hot. No, so, baby. yep, Bob from Mexico. So let's start this. This one is the intro. So we obviously know Bob from Mexico is from Mexico. What do you call like your second home or your home away from home these days, Bob? My home away from home would be the south side of Chicago. Very snowy Chicago. That is the, the right side, the White Sox side. Ooh, okay. We don't like, stray north too often, only for a good time downtown with the bars, maybe. Okay. <laughs> mm, that's a far that's a long ways from Mexico. Like it's got Oh say. yeah. You you know, so you speak two languages? Uh you know, you get around with English. <laughs> it's the universal language these days. Uh, I, I right? hear yeah. that. I hear that the south side of Chicago does have a pretty big uh, Little Mexico in, in part mm-hmm. of it, so I must be the king of yeah. Little Mexico. Okay. Yeah. So, man, everybody's going to be looking at it. Uh, okay, hit it up. Since your dream job, obviously. I just want to make you feel at home, man. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Compadre. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, man. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's something different every day. It's uh Definitely something I enjoy so far. So we'll see how much longer I stick with it. Yeah, no kidding. Well, have you ever considered getting out of uh, Mexico or or Illinois? Go somewhere else? Get some sunshine? Um, you know, I almost pulled a page out of your book, Stacey. I, I thought about going, you know, Florida or California and trying to do some drone stuff. Um, that was when I was in school. And I was like, wow, this school stuff's not really for me. Maybe I'll go try to do the drones. And then I just... Never grew the balls to go do it, basically. Nice. And I always wanted to do this as a backup plan. Just didn't know when I was going to do it. And actually, my best friend he got hired before me, and I was like, "Well, I can't let him be the police and not me." So then I went for this. Nice. And I'm pulling you over without being able to flash him a badge, too, huh? <laughs> hmm. Well, so you're a policeman in Chicago. Like, what do you do other than RC helis? Like, do you have any other hobbies? Um, yeah, I got another hobby. Me and my dad, uh, we go drag racing. Got a, a race car whenever we find time to do it, whenever I'm off and he's off, which is pretty rare. So we get out a few times a year, but definitely another expensive hobby, but <laughs> definitely very rewarding and very fun at times. Are you like uh, muscle, muscle cars or is it? Yeah, it's a, it's an old Ford Mustang. Mm, nice, nice. I I would have guessed something like low budget porn films, maybe you know, like. But I wasn't sure. Oh, right that now. was the dream job. I couldn't get in. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> in Florida, <laughs> a tough market. Tough market. A lot of competition. Stacy took no, the whole market. California. Out. No, that's that's California. Yeah, I mean, this is you know they don't call this place Silicon Valley for a reason. You know. Hey. <laughs> Hard pass, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> hard pass indeed. Yeah. You can't get anywhere with a soft pass around here. <laughs> All right. So you were in the uh, – so you're you're police officer, which means you were in the academy. So the question that everybody really wants to know is, did you get tased? So I thought we all were going to get tased. Not a single person got tased in the academy. So uh, when we did our taser training – they asked for a volunteer to get tased, and I figured, like, well, nobody's going to raise their hand, but a bunch of people did. I was like, you guys are all fucking crazy, right? No way I'm getting tased. <laughs> so they narrowed down to one kid. He goes up there. 
And they go, you know, like taser, taser, taser. And they just did the spark thing right next to his ear and had him freak out. But apparently they, they changed the policy. They're not allowed to tase people in the academy because someone got hurt or someone sued or something along the lines of that. So nobody gets tased anymore. I guess at one point, at one point, everybody got tased. What a rip off. Man, that seems like, you know, yeah, it seems like, you know, if you're going to, you know, pay all the money to go to the academy or get paid to go to the academy or whatever, you really want to get tased, you know, it's just a matter of where, right? That's the. Yeah. <laughs> taser's <laughs> useless anyway. Yeah. I never even used the thing. It's useless. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really provide much comfort, right? When you're like dealing with AKs and heavier. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's AK rounds flying every day. <laughs> Well, did you? All right. So no, no tasing. Uh, yeah. Have you had any other specialized training? You know, any like you know Spanish language immersion, immersion or anything like that that you've had to do? Uh, definitely no Spanish immersion language. But um, we actually have an entire school that the city owns that they closed down. And they use for training. So we have like a full active shooter training, which is pretty cool. Like how to enter the building, how to tackle stairs and clear rooms, which was much higher level of training than I thought we were going to get, which was pretty cool. And then just recently, I, I paid extra for this. I went to a, uh, a street cop training all about, like, identifying criminal activity and criminal vehicles and just how to question people to, you know, read body language and stuff like that, which was, was pretty cool. How do you identify a criminal vehicle? There's a lot that goes into it. So let's, let's talk about it off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> they probably showed a picture of Cheech and Chong smoking in that car like this is not it I, I repeat this is not it <laughs> uh, actually those are people that don't have anything the ones that are obvious don't have nothing to hide yeah squeaky Man. clean right mm. stay under the radar Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Well, how about we turn this a little bit more heli-specific? So how long have you played with RC models, whether it's helis or maybe airplanes, or how long have you been doing RC stuff? I play with RC toys a long time, very long time. Um, <laughs> let's see, I'm 24 now. I want to say I got started around... So my dad says I was on the sim when I was two. Obviously, I don't remember playing on the sim when I was two. But I think my first flight was like four or five years old, so around 20 years now been a while crazy and it was helicopters right away he started me out with the hard stuff that's all right same yep same here i think kyle you were about the same too right it was really all of us were our dads were like screw your airplanes we're all they all you know we're just gonna do all helicopters right i didn't pick up airplanes till a couple years later yeah yeah then we went to go try to fly planes and we all chopped the throttle upside down (laughs) ruined one of those (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see i started the other way around and even to this day like if i go fly a plane i gotta remind myself like do not do not chop the throttle when you go inverted <laughs> and i started with airplanes i mean i did that since i was seven you know so i've been yeah. you know a long time it's, it doesn't matter once you're in the helicopter mode it will mess with you so so it wasn't that for me it wasn't the throttle for me it was like you do like a hurricane kind of thing and go on the wrong rudder right you want to keep the <laughs> nose up <laughs> gotta keep it going you're just cruising around you know real low and just wrong rudder directly into the ground so i've done that with foamies mm. more times like all right you have to start thinking about which knife edge to go to go up versus down all right i wanted to keep going just knife edge to the ground i just don't even bother like, anymore you pick one if it doesn't work try the other <laughs> exactly <laughs> just make sure you grab a whole fistful yeah you grab a whole fistful so there's you know so there's no there's no questioning it Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this one really is probably gonna i don't know say it's gonna give you away but um 
have you ever taken a long break from the hobby where maybe you weren't as active? Like if you weren't flying, it wasn't, I guess, in the public view anymore. Uh, you weren't in the public view anymore. Because I feel like there was, at least as long as I've been in the heli community, like a couple of years back, you took like a hard, you know, like I'm good. Even if you flew, you, you just weren't in, you know, attending events as much, if any. Um. I want to say not by choice, but kind of by just my environment. Right when I graduated high school was probably my like my biggest year for the hobby. Where I, you know I tried the most, did the most contests, did the most practice, and so that was 2016. Mm -hmm. Quickly after that, I went to college for the you know my first year, and we'll call it lots of other distractions <laughs> that took away from me wanting to have model helicopters with me there, yep. and. So that, yeah, obviously I was in a dorm room, so there was no room to be bringing RC helicopters in and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'd fly when I came home, but which was, you know, very rare. I mean, it was only two hours away, but I didn't have a car at first there or anything like that. So 2016 was probably my, my break, so to speak. And then, you know, when I went back the next year, I had a house and I had a car and I brought all my models and stuff like that. I had a hobby room. Mm, okay. Interesting. Makes sense. Interesting. So... You know, we, you and I, you know, we've, we've flown some similar helicopters back way back in the day. Um, so do you have a favorite and least favorite heli of all time, specifically from your younger days, you know, not looking like Ario, oh, the whiplash, you use something from, I would say non-current helicopter, something from your past, a least favorite and, and most favorite. Least favorite. I got to think on that one. What was the least favorite? I would say it's a toss up for the most favorite. Um, I'm, I think Stacy might be on the same page here. The OG, old school Furion 450. I must have done 5,000 flights on that thing back in the day. 3S 2200. Mm -hmm. It's either between that or the Gowie X5. I did thousands of flights on those too. No way, man. The Gowie 200 was where it's at. No. Stacy had a special Gowie 200 or something. They didn't give me that one because mine didn't fly like his. <laughs> <laughs> mine neither. My tail didn't actually work on mine. You just. You know, you're just you're just hanging on for dear life with that one. But that Furion was a fantastic helicopter. Exactly, that was the best 450 ever made. Bleach bottle canopy, like stickers for the paddles. Oh, man, that uh -huh. thing was fantastic. Right. Carbon blade mm -hmm. grips. I'm trying to think though, what was the least favorite one? Sounds like a Gowie 200 was your least favorite one. My least favorite one. Least favorite to work on, that's for sure. Phillips screws and <laughs> shit falling off of them and belts and hmm. well, the I belt was later on, that. right? Didn't it have a torque tube, but didn't I thought it had a torque tube at first. I'm like really Yeah, but you had to like C8 a gear or something years. like that. Yeah, yeah. You to, I never had one. You gotta like C8 together. Yeah, the torque tube came later and it was garbage. Oh, it was later? Sure. Oh, you're right. That was by Kyle's request, right? No, that was your boy's request. Nick Maxwell got that done, and that thing sucked. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. What else? What else is a, a bad model? Did you fly Raptors? Like the old Raptors? Oh, yeah. The 30s? I had an OG Raptor 50 Kasama out. I had the bling bling, purple button head, everything like that. Yeah. That was awesome. But the Raptor was a good helicopter. That 50 was a good the Raptor. Oh, yeah. yeah. The was Raptor was awesome. What about the 30? The, the OG Raptor 30 was not a good helicopter, though. The Wolfen. <laughs> Raptor 30 was not a good model, but yeah, after, I didn't have yeah, the 30. Together. I had the 50. Yeah. Hmm. I had a 50 and a, and a Raptor 60. I don't know why Dad didn't go for the 90. <laughs> it's like, what's the difference between 50 and 60? Not a lot. 
No, it's I huge. think it was no, the same, it was, was it? No, I thought the 50 and the 60 was huge. The 60 and the 90 were the same helicopter, just one had a real engine in it, and one had... Exactly. We had a the, 60. The Raptor 60 was big. It ran, like, 680 blades with, like, a 60 size. It was just not... The Raptor 50 versus the Raptor 60 were hugely different helicopters with the same size engine. So it was, like, dazed and confused. Like, I really want to be a 90, but I just I can't commit. I just can't commit. I'll... Well, 90s weren't really a thing yet, right? So there was the YS-61. The, the 90s really weren't coming out just yet when the OG Raptors came. So it was still, you know, these weren't even like 55s or anything. They were like 50s and the 52, eventually the Thunder Tiger 52. Oh, it's 50 Hyper? Yeah. Well, even before the Hyper, they're just the SXH. Well, the, the, the crankcases really for the 90s started as 60s, right? And then they worked their way up into upsizing the bore, right? Isn't that the case? I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty close. Yeah, they were pretty close. And the same sort of thing happened. The, well, I don't know if the 16 and the 16 and 90 were a little bit different, but the 90 and the 105s and like the 96s and stuff, they were pretty much the same crankcase, just all hogged out. Yeah. I mean, we've been flying the same case more or less for. Well, well over fifteen years. Crazy. Yeah, that puts it in perspective for me. That's that's sad if you think about it, right? It's just not much of progression. <laughs> no, because it's a it's it takes two to tango. I mean, OS or YS has to do a new engine, and then a heli manufacturer has to suit it. Because I think we're getting as much power out of that case as we can at this point. So. That's why people are putting OS now. People are trying to put like OS parts on a YS to try to get the power and still get some of the other stuff. It's like they're just now we're at a point that they're mixing and match mixing and matching to try to make something. No, that's why people are flying gassers now. They see this Bob from Mexico dude fly one like it's a freaking electric, <laughs> and everyone wants to fly gassers now. Not me. What you gotta do with your ear muffs Oops. on? Yeah, <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Especially with that that new was that the quick quick draw pipe that makes it actually fly like an electric. Yeah. Does it at the expense of hearing? Well, I don't know if you guys and dampeners if apparently. you guys know that by twenty twenty three, Kyle Stacy might be flying a gas or two. It's looking <laughs> real good, real good. <laughs> so so Mitch, which is louder, a gunshot or a gasser? Oh, definitely the gunshot. But it's oh, close, close, though, right? More annoying. We're we're used to the gunshots here, so the, the gasser, that's just a tone in the ear that you just can't get out. It's like the dumb and dumber, most annoying sound in the universe. Well, you know, back in like 2008, you would go to like Urcha or any fun fly, you try to sleep at night, you just hear the nitro engine in your ear the whole night. Yeah. I didn't One, mind, though. For whatever reason, that I didn't mind. It's the gassers, and I, and I think it's because some one person used to fly gassers all day long at every fun fly and do nothing but 40 minutes of flying in autos. Um, yeah, well... What I was getting at is like, you know, you, you would take a whole day to get that in your ear. One gasser flight stuck in my ear all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brutal. One gasser flight is the same like the time as 11 teen Metro flights. <laughs> this Man, is true. You are so bitter about that. <laughs> yes, I really am. God. But when uh, you get in yours, AJ? What's that? When you get in your gasser? Never. Mm. <laughs> Although I will, I do have to say the the V two the blackout like Spectre V two gasser looks like a helicopter. It looks like something I would fly. It just needs to not sound like that, but it looks really good. It just isn't. You just, you just open up the door to the closet. 
I don't know if that gas is legal in California. <laughs> it is for now until like 2024 or something. <laughs> that would be so classic. You get yours, AJ, and then it gets outlawed. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll have a, I have a ready-made excuse now. I, sorry, I can't. I can't get a gasser. They're they're just not legal. I'm sorry. He'll be back in no time. Maybe. Huh. Well, let's get this train back on the tracks. Let's get this train back on the tracks. All right, Bob, let's get real. Who is your favorite helicopter pilot of all time, and why is it AJ? Hmm. Well, obviously, the correct answer is Kyle Stacy. Ah, come on now. No. Those Gowie 200 inverted figure eights, never been uh, done better. Stop. No. Come on. <laughs> um, I mean, that that's a hard question. Um, I guess if, if I got to pick gotta be bobby watts just from growing up going to urchas he used to do those crazy tail slides and I'm not gonna lie he sold me on on two stratuses or at least my old man he bought them back then but if it wasn't for bobby watts and the tail slides i wouldn't have got a stratus back in the day man the infamous tail slide man you make a good point on that one. Oh yeah he's probably the first i ever seen do one of those you know sky high tail slides yeah the originator it wasn't mm-hmm. as much the tail slide his exit was unbelievable like the that full negative exit to pop that somehow the helicopter didn't explode like all mine did like mm. the way he came out of the tail slide was really was really unique yeah very he, he told me he always hated doing that and he just got stuck into it because it came his his oh thing. he had to do it yeah yeah but he hated I guess, it i guess why he hated it now yeah that's funny yeah, that's not something you just lock in. That's not a muscle memory one right there. <laughs> no, that's like that's like flipping a coin. Yeah, that's, that's brutal. I, w- I wonder how many he crashed. Do you guys know? That's a good question. I, I watched a fair few of them at like MAJ and HOD and stuff. I, I watched I watched more than Bobby Watts' uh, tail slide special, tail slide to completion. Yeah, I know he Ooh. fence posted like several of them. Isn't there a video of Matt Botus having the all-time greatest tail slide crash? There's somewhere there's one. Oh yeah, dude. He was with a logo, logo or something. Yeah, yeah. logo six hundred. Yeah, tail slide with like zero attempt at pulling out whatsoever. Like nothing, not even a like a hesitation and exit. It was just like straight, just let it go. Just, just absolute crazy. brain freeze, man. Just nothing. I'm gonna try yep. and find it right I'm now. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to post the link in the show notes for this one to put in the podcast. Yeah. See if we can find it. Might be right there. All right. Uh, yep. we'll keep Let's keep it going. So your favorite pilot is Bobby Watts. Off of that, what do you describe your fly style to be? Do you think it's more 3D on the deck? Is it big air? Is it, I just don't care. I'm just going to kill this helicopter. What, what do you think? Mm, I, I'd say it changes all the time. Um, I feel like I go like, I'm going to do these three maneuvers. And then I'll do one of them and then kind of just, you know, cruise around and be like, wow, it's getting kind of boring. Let's push the sticks a random way, see what happens, make sure it's low and fast. Oops, almost hit the ground. Okay, let's do that second maneuver I planned on doing. And kind of just keep that going and hopefully it stays together. That works. That's a good explanation as I've ever heard. Yeah, it's the low and fast, especially like Urcha, you and Kyle, you both play with the little hill at center stage with, you know, you know, you two are you two are probably the best at that. 
Well, it's just something to do. You know, you got three, four minutes, you, you run out of things to do. So you're like, well, I'm going to plan out these four, whatever, three, four, five things. And we got to fill some dead space here and hopefully not hit the ground. See, if you're like me, you just repeat those same three or four things. And then everyone's like, wow, that was really boring. And then, then you land and people off clap. And then you... But nothing's broken that way. So, yeah, yeah, true. Except I've never seen anybody skip a helicopter off the grass like AJ did. <laughs> It almost, if I hadn't broken that. Don't open that wound. He's going to go on for like three hours. That grass. Wait, I thought you saved that. No, you talked about the one at Battle of the Brands? No. I don't remember what it was. I thought you bounced the the head block off the the grass and it kept going. So I bounced the tail off at OHB years ago of when I was flying goblins. I absolutely massacred the tail into the ground and kept flying at a noontime demo. The head, I think I... Now, this past Battle of the Brands, I broke the blade and popped a link and broke a blade when I did it. But no, it must have been two years ago or something. You definitely skipped it. I remember you had grass on your blades, like in the blade grips, everything. Well, all so way down that was, well, uh, well, no, that was um, the Modown or Spring Fling this year. I did, I, that was, I was a real asshole at Spring Fling this year. I had all sorts of beans and stuff in there this year at Spring Fling. Hmm. Maybe that's what I was thinking of then. There was all kinds of, yeah, that, that one had leaves and stuff in there. And then a couple people tried to repeat that and they all crashed and that made me giggle. So. <laughs> oh, AJ, you and that grass. Well, I had the same thing happen to me yeah. at, uh, at uh, Orlando. It was the grass. The grass sucked me right in. You know, I tried to pull an AJ and, you know. Yeah. I literally went through my three maneuvers and I got nothing else. You know, I got away with it one. You know, it happens Man. to all of us. Yeah. Right. Huh. All right, Mr. Bob. So we're talking about crashes and let's keep it in that same vein. What was your worst year from a crash perspective? Is there any year that you can think of that you just, your, you know, any, any sort of sponsors you may have had just got really upset about the phone calls that you were making to them every week? Um, I don't know if they got upset. Maybe looking back at it, they might have. But I'd probably say t- 2016, that was the year where I was practicing the most ever. And it was the year I was doing the three-blade stuff, and I just kept blowing up models left and right. There was a lot of wrench in that. You're trying to keep three three-blades going all year long. A lot of crashes there. I know I blew one up at XFC, blew one up at Global 3D, blew up plenty up at home, and you couldn't figure out why they were blowing up, so I just kept flying them <laughs> and fixing them. Yeah. Good idea. What could go wrong yeah. with that, right? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> when in doubt, just, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. May as well just go, right? So. Yeah. Bought a lot of SAB blades that year. That's for sure. <laughs> Attaboy. Well, what is your worst crash of all time, then? Oh, Worst crash of all time is actually at home, not even an event. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the the Gowie X7. The way the crown gear sits on there is like aluminum piece. It's, I believe it was one piece, if I remember correctly, that went through the, like the one-way bearing. I think so, yeah. I know and that actually, sh- that actually sheared off on it. And I thought it was just like a tail gear strip. And it was like a day like this. We were out there in the cold or something, but it just melted. So it was like, you know, 50 degrees out. All the snow melted. Well, it's all grass field, and we got you know weeds growing and stuff like that. And there's water everywhere. Well, 
it went out kind of far away and the tail was spinning. So I hit hole, got it level. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm walking through this pond of mud and everything like that to go get it. So I clicked it back in the idle up, gave it full pitch. And I didn't realize, I mean, I knew it was going to spin, you know, pirouette pretty quick, but I didn't realize it was going to go boom. And yeah, it exploded. It cut the tail boom off, landed right in the middle of the pond underwater. And when I pulled it out, there was, there was mud on everything. It was a clump of mud. And I think I took it out back, hosed it down. And I think, I don't think I ever used anything. I think it's sitting in all the electronics. I think are in a bag to this day that have a big question mark on them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Anytime something's questionable, like I'll have a bag, like bad, bad electronics, good electronics. There's one just question mark. <laughs> you know, one day you're going to. One day you're going to pull that like 10, 15 years from now and you're like, question mark, like, you know? Yeah. Well, what is it? It's an 11, 12 pound helicopter. I think I pulled it out. I had to weigh every bit of 25 pounds and all the mud on it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's that really is. So let's change it up. We'll change it. We're going towards the fly bar. So you fly Futaba, right? CGI 760? Okay. So. It's definitely like the 760s with the 69Z. That's gaining a lot of popularity these days. How does it compare to other units that you might have flown? And what do you think makes it better in your eyes? You know, just your opinion from flying it. Because I think that's what you've flown now for years, right? Yeah, I've been flying it for, I'm trying to think how many years now. It's been out for a while now. But yeah, you're definitely right. It's definitely gaining more popularity now recently. Um, I've flown, I think, pretty much every unit on this market now. And I think it's pretty obvious to say the two best out there or the most popular, the V-Bar and the, the Futaba CGI 760. Um, for me, the biggest thing is it just, it feels natural to me. Um, it feels like I'm the one giving it the input. Some of the other stuff I've flown, it'll be like, oh, that was kind of weird. I don't, I don't know why I did that. I, I didn't feel like I did it. And to me, it's just like my setup's pretty much like straight out of the box. Um, I know Nick Maxwell, he did a video showing his setup and, People are surprised. There was there's nothing fancy there. I mean, yeah, all my stuff is basically the way it comes out of the out of the box and just set the cyclic, set the pitch, and it just just works for me. I mean, there's not too many adjustments I changed. I mean, a couple little test flips here and there, and the loops, and just I don't know. It just works for me. How many conditions do you have set up? Conditions. Um, I have just the one. Yeah. I used to have two back in the day when I did the three bladed stuff. And, you know, when I was doing contests more often, I had two or three just for like mm -hmm. set maneuvers. But right now my models are set up with just one condition. There's no, no switching other than RPMs, but everything oh, stays the, the same. RPM banks, but as far as conditions is just one. Yeah. One, yeah. One condition hold. That's it. Okay. Keeps it simple that way. That way you don't have to be like, Oh, am I in the right condition to do, you know, low 3d or I want to do big 3d or I want to do, you know, an auto. Let yeah. me change this or, change that i think the gains switch from my low low head speed because i got one that's like a 1100 rpm just like the gains for the tail and stuff change but all the head stuff still the same yeah same with my stuff the 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 head gain and the tail gain change with rpm but i don't really consider that a condition that's just a yeah that that's not anything set up within the 760 itself that's all radio you know, real simple yeah. radio based stuff that things that need to happen all the other stuff 760 feels so much the same depending on no matter what the rpm it's don't really feel like you need to change a lot 
and I got to give credit where credit's due. I used to have all the different conditions, even for my two blade stuff. And I would change whatever condition I was, depending on what I wanted to do. And Jamie Robertson, he's the one who told me he did everything, set maneuvers, 3D, music flight, all with the exact same model and the exact same condition. That's why he knew how it was going to react to how he's going to move the stick. And he didn't have six different ways to do it. It was lined the same way, no matter what he was doing. And it seemed to make sense to me. And I kind of leaned towards that recently. Yeah. And just, it's simple. Like, I'm, I'm with you when you're talking about, like, as far as you don't have to concern yourself or have to backtrack and be like, oh, hold on, which condition am I in? Where do I need to be? It's, it's straightforward. It's one, right? Because, like, the way I set up my, you know, uh, conditions really is to mirror what I have on a V control, right? So I have three banks, same idea, because in my mind, that's what I was able to process and not feel lost right in what condition i'm at where so on and so forth so it's interesting that because i think aj is the one that's like i just have one condition it is what it is so yeah yeah i mean i occasionally change it um if i want to test something i mm -hmm. might put it on a second condition and just like something different but i'm not quite to the same level as bob or jamie in that my set maneuvers model is set up a little bit differently than my um, my freestyle mm -hmm. and flight to music model. Mostly, it's really just it's a little bit slower uh, mm -hmm. uh, cyclic rate and just a little bit expo to try to make some of the stuff, some of the set maneuvers feel a little bit better. Uh, which again is probably I think that he's probably right. It's better to not do that. But see, that was always hard for me. I'm with you though. I mean, for contests, I always had one model that was strictly set maneuvers. But, I mean, I, I did fly it in freestyle, too, depending. So I, I would switch the settings. But usually back then I had one model that was set maneuvers only. But it did have all the different conditions, and I slowly transitioned to just this is how this model flies and get used to it with one condition. Yeah, same. So, I mean, and really, like I said, all it really is is cyclic rate, right? And with the wireless tuning now, that's adjustable in about two seconds. So I, I can make whatever model do that. It's, you know, literally I have two different settings. It's... I think my not oh, three. I have control authority, expo, and cyclic rate are the only things different between the two models. Um, yeah, that's all you need to do. Based everything else, pretty you know, it's going to be probably yeah. stock on yours too. Pretty close. Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty close. It's there's there's a reason that in the wireless tuning they only give you some limited stuff that to work with because mm -hmm. that's all you need, and, and even that you. I like it. Keep it simple. That's what I like. I like to hear. You know. Interesting. Interesting. That's all I had. Yeah. Next. All right. So let's roll it back to, you know, you, you apparently have something of a, uh, of a trend here. You may sense a theme. Let's go back to crashing. Have you any close calls while you were flying in terms of parts flying into crowds or anything like that? Is that you, ever, you ever had that happen there, Bob? Um, unless we're talking about, you know, playing Frisbee or something like that with AJ over here. Yeah, we've had a few, but, you know, AJ caught some of my spare parts before. That way they, they were caught safely and nothing broke. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what we're going with. Yeah, AJ did catch a rotor blade from me before. He, he did so very well. Very athletic. To be fair, it wasn't a made. whole rotor blade. It was only about a third of a rotor blade, maybe half a rotor blade. It was probably the, the tip of it, though. It was probably moving pretty good. Just a tip, baby. Just a tip. The tip. Yeah, it's just the yeah. three inches. 
Yeah. I was uh, trying to protect uh, the lukewarm hands over here. and uh, <laughs> It's like, the, you know, some people take an arrow to the knee. I took a blade to the chest. But just for full, for full, you know, open disclosure, there was no damage. It was not coming that fast. There was no damage to me. There was some damage to the helicopter, but I think most of that happened before the chunk of rotor blade left. So Definitely. Definitely scary, though. I'm glad everybody was okay. That's yeah. always the most important thing. Yeah. I'm sure you guys can all agree we've all had some interesting things at home. I feel like all the scary stuff yeah. happens at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I I sometimes see events, people I don't trust. I've seen some weird things at events, like at one of Kyle's events years and years ago, I had a tail blade whiz by the side of my head. Because Loctite was apparently optional um, on on the tail parts. And some of the inexpensive i want to you know talk clones or not clones but some of the inexpensive stuff sometimes the quality isn't all there so you know you see some and you see it at events sometimes too that the some of the lower quality stuff just doesn't quite get there definitely and everybody's pushing harder at events you know everybody's showing off so yeah, yeah shit happens personal in terms of like personal close calls it's almost always at home but i think in yeah elsewhere right it's, it's the other people that you know, sometimes are yeah. just sketchy. Besides playing catch with you, all my close calls have been at home, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I think my only call that happened not at home was uh, I think that I had a little rave that I lost the tail on a rave four fifty or something like that in a hurricane. No, no, I, I broke an elevator uh, arm in a, on a rave four fifty in a hurricane and shot it. Bounce it across the ground towards folks at Urcha, but I think that was the only other. I think that was the only close call I had myself. I'm trying to think, I think I've had two. I've had one blade break right at the root and shoot off about 200 miles an hour right past my head at home, and then I I had a, another issue where we lost all control right in front of me, and it was lucky enough that it went negative pitch away from me and not positive right into my face. But that was a, a wake up call for me. Yeah. Other than that, though, I think that. Those are probably all three. The one with you, AJ, and then those two. Which is surprising that there hasn't been many more for how dangerous and how fast these things move. I was yeah. about to say that. It's an absolute miracle, knock on wood, that you know we get so lucky. I mean, it still surprises me that these things even fly. If you really like, <laughs> sit down and think about it, Yeah, the things these things do. Yeah, all the tiny little screws that we rely on to like keep us alive, <laughs> like those little <laughs> three millimeter bolts that hold the tail blade grips on, <laughs> or the little plastic links. Yeah, it's like, man, they're trusting a lot of very small things. Uh, anyway, how I live my life though, uh, trusting small things. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, I was waiting for it. That's why I wanted to move this along. <laughs> Moving away from crashes, uh, if you had to guess, what do you think the next big leap in the hobby would be as far as technology goes or trends or where do you think the hobby is going next? Hmm. I mean, I'm definitely not the person to ask for that, but if I would like to see something, even though I'm not the biggest nitro guy, I think fuel-injected nitros would be really cool and maybe take nitro to another level. Yeah, that would be nice. Hmm. I didn't think you'd say something about nitro. I thought you'd say like stronger batteries or something. Yeah, but everybody always says that. We've been talking about batteries that are gonna last twenty minutes mm-hmm. for years now. Yeah. I still think a little fuel injected nitros would be cool. Maybe some dual injectors or something like that. Yes. Yeah, I remember the 
tested four stroke nitro for a little bit and the sound of the four stroke heli nitro was super cool i wish that they could get that figured out in a way to make enough power to be flyable because i think you're right like the sound of something like that or even you know getting the four stroke stuff would be super cool yeah i could do a little cammed out nitro helicopter <laughs> be badass, turbos eh? I do have a I do have a mini nitrous kit. I always wanted to mount on on a nitro heli, but I don't know how well it would work. It would work really well for at least a second. Yeah, you know, I thought I'd put it on like you know full collective each way, just a a little baby jet in there, spice it up. But What's never got called? around to something it. called pitch boost. I know Fataba had it. Something else had it too for a while. Wasn't there something called pitch boost that like if you move this bump? Just, yeah, pitch bump. That's what it was, right? Same thing, just a nitro version of pitch bump. Yeah, I guess. Extra RPM. It sounds like you already gave us the answer to this one, but what what would be one thing you would change in the hobby, and not necessarily like heli wise, maybe maybe it would be more competitions or something on those lines. What, what if there was one thing you would ch- if you were King Bob of the whole heli community, what would you change? That's a hard one. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to say less models options i just feel like back in the day there was like a line in raptor and i i feel like there was i don't want to say less competition but more camaraderie maybe between everybody i mean you go to events and i don't know how to explain it you know what i mean like stacy you know yes. what i mean aj but there was only two yeah, models out there it was kind of just like well everybody had parts if you needed something it was like oh i have the part for that or i have the part for this it wasn't like 10 different models or 20 different models out there it's just i don't know it was a different Different field of worse. It feels like it's heading that way again a little bit. I mean, they're the it got I think it really expanded, but I think it's kind of contracting again a little bit with the nature of the beast right now. So you may be getting your wish a little bit in terms of that. But I think that with that, you're right that some of the camaraderie has been lost a little bit between brands and between people. Um hopefully it's coming back with some of the, you know, keep you know, RCLEs alive and all the happy stuff, but it it seems like you're right that like some of the camaraderie has gone and went away for a little bit and hopefully it's coming back. Yeah. There's a bunch of different people. I mean, obviously there's a bunch of different teams now, so everybody's got their little clicks and groups, but you know, back then it was just like one big happy family kind of sort of. I think step one is get rid of Facebook. If you want to hang out with people or if you want to interact, you go to events or you go to the Definitely. hobby shop. Definitely. Yeah. Delete Facebook or Meta or whatever the heck it's called and just go to events and open a magazine. Remember like going to Run Rider, like opening a magazine to find out like who people fly for teams for cool. and whatnot? Like the good old days. I agree. Yeah. RIP Run Rider a little bit here, but I do. I, Run Rider was, that was it, man. Run Rider was a thing. Yeah. Run Rider and Heli Freak for a while. Yeah. You know, you had the people that were keyboard warriors. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, Run Rider at the beginning before Heli Freak was, that was the only one. That was the only show in town for a little while until, again, you said people kind of get disgruntled, right? But, man, like, I remember when I was younger, and I'm sure, you know, Mitch and Kyle are the same way. I'm a little bit older than y'all, obviously. But, I mean, I practically lived on Run Rider, like, to start here and, like, going through all the new things, you know, seeing who posted. And getting all excited when people like Curtis posted and that kind of thing, which was from a hobby perspective or heli. Like I've only been doing it since 2012, and I started with heli freaking run rider too. You know, and it's to me yeah. what sold me into the heli community was not heli freaking run rider was going to events. I had a blast, you know. So 
that's always been I, I definitely could relate that things are changing because I feel like when when I started in 2012 going to these events they're even different than airplane events you know like yeah you know and and Very that's what captured me I feel like now it's yeah it, I don't want to say it's you know, we're all against each other. I don't think that's that's necessarily a good characterization of it, but it's it's too much fighting over nothing. You know, it, it should really be like we all enjoy the hobby. You know, and if you fly for so-and-so, great. You know, in the end, you're still flying an RC helicopter. You know, forget the brand. You're still flying an RC helicopter. Have fun at it. And that's, to me, that's why the small events are yep. that much more fun. You know, there's no competition at small events. It's just... Whatever, Let's have fun. I guess there is a competition who puts it in the hardest, you know. Yep. And nobody cares, you know. We just have a good laugh, <laughs> you know. Definitely. You know, small events that end up getting big, big, like Spring Fling in Virginia. That's always a blast. One of the best I events think to that go one, to. The, pro- the nice thing about it, there's still a feel to it that's a smaller event, right? Um, but it's you know potentially it could be gone Definitely. tomorrow, like when it comes from that feel. You know, the more, the more, the more you push to make it bigger, it's great. But at the same time, it's, it could lose its enticement to go, you know? So, interesting. Good one. I like that one. Yeah, good one for sure. So, obviously, Bob, you are a hell of a pilot. And, you know, you have a lot of really inventive stuff. So, for the people who are aspiring to be, like Bob from Mexico, do you have any tips on learning new maneuvers? You know, I know you said you kind of just push the you know stick and see what happens a little bit, but if you when you are practicing sets and you know trying to do routines and stuff, do you have any any tips? So I would say yeah, it depends. If you are not sure what you want to learn, you're just like, well, I want to do something different. Definitely the simulator and pushing the sticks around and see what happens is how I learned probably ninety five percent of the, all the maneuvers I do. Just Push the stick, see what happens. Oh, that looks cool. Let's try to make it look better. If I'm going out there like, hey, I want to learn Pyro Flips or I want to learn this crazy reversing globe thing that Global 3D's got out right now, I always sat down and had to think like, all right, what do I, what input do I have to give on this gimbal to make the helicopter do what I want it to do? Like, w- which direction do I have to push in each, every orientation for me to get around it? And then try to just break it down in half from there. All right, if I'm going to do the first half here, I know it's left, right, left, right, or whatever the, the input is to get it there. And then once you get like, you know, a quarter of the way down, all right, let's try a half. All right, now it's all backwards coming the way down. Start all over again. But actually having to visualize, I think the Puro flips the best way. I feel like everybody knows you, you stir the stick or you stir the stick clockwise this way or counterclockwise this way. And a lot of people go out there and just stir the stick. Well, actually, knowing when to give the input and why you're giving the input because you want the model to do what you want it to do versus just spinning the stick and hoping it does a flip could change a lot of people's like perspective on learning stuff that makes sense oh it makes perfect sense i think there's a lot of people i think you nailed it right the pyro flips in particular there's a lot of people who can do pyro flips but if you give them a helicopter with a slightly different pirouette rate they're in trouble it's all over yeah Yeah, they're in absolute trouble yeah you're absolutely right and then, like everything pirouetting, I mean, TikToks, loops, funnels, it's all stirring the stick. It's just knowing when to stir it and how to stir it. I mean, it's very hard to explain. I, I, I can't explain. Like, the, people ask me, well, how do you move the stick different between a, a TikTok and a, and a pyro flip? And it's like, 
I mean, you just, you, you, you're telling the model what to do. I, I couldn't tell you what I do different stirring a stick other than looking at it and saying, oh, I want it to go this way now and not, not do a flip. Yep. Yeah, it is really hard to explain if you think about it. Like, like you said, pure flip, pure funnel, pure loop, pure whatever. It's always stirring. It's just the timing of everything all together is just, uh, it's like a <laughs> witch's curse. Yeah, and it just comes down to knowing which way to push the stick because you got to visualize what you want the model to do, not just let me stir it and see what happens. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you use the sim at all or are you just like a go out in person and see what happens? So when I first got into it, uh, obviously I wasn't 16, I wasn't driving. Dad's a busy guy. Well, we weren't getting out of the field too often, so I was simming hours and hours and hours every day. And me and my brother, for don't, those who don't know, I have a brother. He, he used to fly. I mean, he could still pick it up and fly now too. But every time we crashed, we'd switch off. So I was like, well, I got to get good at this because I don't want to be sitting here watching him fly in the sim. We only got one computer. I want to fly. So I was like, well, I got to get good so I don't have to switch off. So it got to the point where I wasn't crashing. He wasn't flying much on the sim anymore. Um, but yeah, that was my that was my video game. That was, that was what it was. It was like Real Flight G2 or something. I would do it hours a day. Um, once I turned 16 and was able to drive, I, I like I don't have a sim currently now. I think it's downloaded on the computer, but I haven't actively simmed probably in wow that's 10 years awesome. maybe. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I want to say the the Real Flight that's on my computer is probably Real Flight G4 or something like that. G4, G4.5 or whatever it was. Something like that with the the, the Dominator and Dominion, whatever the stock helicopter was on there. Yep, it's Dominion. Nice. Yeah, Dominion for sure. Then there was, yeah, the, didn't even, it was Flybard and all that stuff still too. Oh, yeah. Remember the upgrade packages you could buy that had some like, that had, one, didn't have, one of them had a Fury on. It has all kinds of stuff in there, right? But it was, you had to buy the upgrade packs to get the the super cool helicopters. Well, nowadays you can just download the Kyle Stacy edition, zoom in, and see the logo on the. You the can head take the canopy off and exactly. look at the servos moving. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so, out of all the maneuvers that you do, do you have a favorite one? And do you have like the one that's your kryptonite that you are still kind of uncomfortable or you just can't get it? Uh, definitely have a kryptonite. The kryptonite would definitely be the the big Ben as. I guess they call it. It was always a set maneuver and it was always a high K factor. So it was like the 12 point TikTok mm -hmm. skids in and skids out. And for some reason, when it came to set maneuvers, it was always difficult for me. Like I can go out there and do it just flying around at home. But when you try to like make it look real good, stay in one spot, same height, it, I've done so many of those things. Like it was always, I mean, years and years, it was always the same set maneuver and I could just never get it down to where I was like happy or comfortable. Like you'd have to get, I get halfway in and be like, ah, this is a good one. Or I'd be halfway to be like, wow, this whole thing is just messed up. It's not going to look good. And it's just, I never get it down. I don't know if Stacy's got any experience with that. If I'm pretty sure he was able to do a perfect, but I just could never get it down. It was just, it, you would always hit a certain part of the clock where it would just fall apart for me. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere skids in with the tail to my right, but not totally at like four o'clock or three o'clock. Yeah. It would always just, you never knew. It, by the time you got there, it was either, oh, this is a good one or this is a bad one. Yeah, I was always 30 <laughs> minutes late on that one for some reason. <laughs> it was rough. It's always like towards the end of it too, so you can't even like, you have to almost finish, you have to have to finish it because it's fine. You're most of the way through it, right? Because the first run usually blades in. So you're more yeah. than half. So you're like, well, fuck, now I have to finish it in order to do something. 
and now you're yeah. jamming like full collective in it and it sounds like shit and then you're like <laughs> oh yeah and then you're like everybody's watching me i know it looked like shit but all right let me go do the next one now yeah never want to do that one first because it just ruins the entire sets right it just oh ruins yeah it. ruins it always the last one always yeah. my favorite is when i get the elevator yeah i get the elevator timing way <laughs> off it looks like a dolphin flying through the air <laughs> That or it shoots out 40 feet farther away or comes way closer because you're like, ah, oh, I got the elevator good, but the collective is all messed up now. Yeah, mine, mine always climbed. Yeah, yeah mine, mine would start, you know, mine would start at eye level and end up, you know, like I couldn't even see it. I'm like, well, <laughs> shit. Well, they can't see, they can't score right. you. You know, just saying. What's, what's the one that like you bring out? Like, let, let me just wow the crowd. That's your favorite maneuver to, to please the eyeballs with. Lately, I feel like it's been skids in, right rudder, pyro TikToks right in front of me. I don't know. I feel like they just they look different than everything else. Everybody seems to get that. a kick out of it. I don't know. I mean, I I'm surprised I can that. I can do them because I kind of just guess and they kind of they look cool and are aggressive. Yeah, I, and you guess whatever, dude. I'm with you though. I'm I'm a left rudder natural guy. Same with you. And some reason the right rudder skids in just flows better to me than left mm. rudder skids in. Man, this seems like it's a computer program. It's like perfect every time. Not about that. They're the best. They're the best pyro TikToks I've seen since like Nigel Brown years and years ago with the N7. Like that just stayed there. You could just draw and put a string through them. You know what I mean? So, Got to yeah. give him credit though. Back in the day, fly bar nitro definitely much harder. True. Yeah. But still, like trying to like see them and just sit there. And you know, you just they don't change how you just look at this. You can stare at the head button, and the head button is, just pivots right at the head button. So, Bad this off. is me, you know, non pro. I'm just a Joe Schmo. You know, it's your, your best, and it's not really a maneuver. Your transitions, Bob, the best, the thing that always wows, and just sitting in the crowd is dude, your transitions and how fast you go from orientation to orientation. It blows my mind. Like I could just listen to it, and I'm like, well, I think I know who that is. That's that's Bob from Mexico, and he's probably flying a whiplash. <laughs> it's I don't know what it is, and it's usually like nighttime. Like for some reason, I no matter how many times I wa watch a flight, and nighttime that you do, it's like, yep, no, that's Bob. Well, yeah, I mean, once the sun goes down, everybody picks up the pace a little bit at night, but. I mean, I contribute that to, where are you going with that? I was going to say, I'm sure Stacy or AJ, you guys could agree too. For me, I would always watch people flying and be like, wow, their stuff moves so fast. And then I, I would go fly and it's like, why does mine seem like it's so slow? And then everybody would tell me it's fast. And I, I guess yeah. it's just when you know what the next, what the model is going to do because mm -hmm. you're doing it, it seems yeah. slow to you versus watching somebody else and you don't know what they're going to do next. And I always try Nick's, to like, yeah. Nick's stuff was always like that, right? You see Nick fly, and he's like, holy crap, how does this move that fast? And you go and fly, and it's like, somehow this is slower than mine. I don't understand what is happening. Like the, and, and know, I, yeah, It's definitely an illusion. Brain slows down. Like you, it's the same speed, right? It's fast. But the, because you focus on the model, like you don't understand. You don't see the speed almost real time, right? Because your brain is processing, and it's quote-unquote almost stopping time because you know the maneuver you know where you're going to lead to it and everything else because like and for some reason at nighttime everybody that's watching from the sideline too is like your depth perception is totally different at night 
it comes out of nowhere. And, you know, we all at some time were like, man, that was kind of close. I don't know how close, but it was felt close. But in, in me, me alone, they, if I was flying, I'm like, what do you mean? That, that wasn't close. That that felt like it was a mile away. And like, no, you that shit was right on top of you. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit of a, the fact <laughs> that you're focusing on the heli, you're not realizing the, the speed of it. That and just ex- expecting what it's going to do. I say that and just expecting what it's going to do. I, I want to say, I think I try to emulate it as much as I can. Like what I think people are going to like, what direction I'm going to go next and try to do the opposite. But the, definitely the king of that is Kyle Dole. I mean, he still gets me every flight where I think he's going to do something and it ends up going the opposite way and I'm just caught looking the wrong way in the field. But it's, it definitely helps things look faster because you expect it to go right or you expect them to get positive and it's negative and it goes the complete opposite way. Yeah, yeah sure. That's what you say. You know, Sometimes yeah, it goes the wrong way. Good. You just got to play it off. Level when you can make something look amazing and it's not <laughs> slightly out of control. Yeah, it was like that's how I feel like that's how I knew I was starting to get there a little bit. I could say oops or you know less that don't fly quite as much or whatever. They can they can be watching and they go like they that you you know, you didn't make a mistake and be like, Yeah, I absolutely did. I did not do it all I wanted to, and you kinda of come out of it in the right way, you know? Yeah. It just puts you right in line for this, oh I wasn't gonna do this, but we're right here, so we're gonna do a, a funnel right now, I guess. Exactly. That's why it's so hard to plan out like a good freestyle that you're going to do all, all the time for contests. Just some of the stuff just comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh, this is what we're doing next. All right. That's why I like flight to music, right? Because flight to music, I feel like I can plan it better. But freestyle, I, you can put some stuff down, but it just doesn't, you know, you're, you has to be just kind of flow a little bit. It has to be kind of off the cuff a little bit because you can... Like you said, you can get away with a little bit more stuff in the pure freestyle versus flight to music. Yeah, flight to music was always my kryptonite. I could never, never do good. I would always, you know, be right up there with the set maneuvers. Usually do pretty good in the freestyle, and then the music flight would come, and I'd watch my position drop. I'm like, damn, can't do anything about it. Brutal. Because I, I don't know, some guys do it on the sim, and I would try it in the sim, and it's like you get twice the amount of maneuvers done in the same amount of time on the sim, and you go out there and it's like, well, the model don't don't move like that. I will say though, I 2016 XFC the finals definitely beat Jamie Robertson in set maneuvers. If he's listening, I tell him this all the time. Once a <laughs> month, I tell him, "Remember, I beat you in the set maneuvers." <laughs> if Stacy was there, he probably would have won it that year because we all had issues. But Man. definitely beat Jamie final round XFC mm-hmm. set maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Got the full thousand. Take that to the bank. It's in the records. Finally, <laughs> somewhere. Uh, Hit him, AJ. All right, so I think we'll. So in general, people kind of suck, right? Like people are the worst. Have you ever had anyone tell you that you suck? Just like seriously, like come up to you and be like, you know what? Like either you scare me, or like I don't like how you fly, or there's something about you. Have you ever had someone just come up and be an absolute dick to you? Trying to think, I don't. I don't think I've ever had anything like that in person. But comments on videos, definitely for sure. Like people. Some some people in the hobby who maybe just like never seen me or never heard of me or something like that, or or like people who are not involved in the hobby, especially like the the in front of the house stuff. A lot of people don't like that, but I, I don't think I've ever had anybody come up to my face and tell me that I suck. <laughs> I don't know if you have. Have you? 
Oh, yeah, but I do suck, so it's okay. So it's like, yeah, you're right. You're did right, you get, I kind of do. Did you, get, did you get a lot of comments or bad comments or negative comments on the flight in the, in the intersection in the, at night? Oh, yeah, plenty, plenty, plenty. Lots of messages, direct messages, lots of comments, but it is what it is. I've probably done more flights in the intersection or in the front of my house than I have anywhere in my life. I mean, that's where everything gets tested. Your neighbors have to love that, too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. In the summertime, they all come out. They all watch. That's awesome. They're all used to it now. Nice. Even though I'm in Chicago, we have like a, a, a sealed off neighborhood, I like to call it. And we pretty much know everybody on all the blocks. And yeah, they all come out. And it's That's a little awesome. mini fun fly sometimes. <laughs> if it all works right. Of course. That's awesome. Nice. Well, uh, we know you've been competing for a while. So tell us about your first competition and how did it go? My first competition. Do you remember what year it was, Stacy? I don't remember. Uh, you talking about the? You talking about the? What was it? IEN. IEN. What does it stand for? International yeah, Amateur. Uh, yeah, Urcha, No, Urcha Amateur Nationals. Maybe that, that was it. Yeah, Urcha oh, Amateur National. Yeah, I'm thinking 2008. With, uh, my buddy, my buddy flew in there. My buddy Nathaniel. He beat me. Nathaniel Rice beat me. Yeah, he did. That's... Everybody seems to think that I won the contest, but. Um, yeah, so it was an amateur contest. Never, never flown in a contest before. Um, I don't even think I signed up. My uh, my buddy Bart Bryington sent, sir, uh, signed me up for it and just told me when we got to Urcha. And we tried the right and down maneuvers thing. That didn't work for me. Threw the notepad out. Went out there, flew to a Nickelback song, and I guess I made the finals. And old man dad forgot the Loctite on the, uh, the, the boom support there, so... 30 seconds in, I tried to do my Bobby Watts tail slide with my Stratus that he sold me on, and there goes the boom support. So we landed, and there's my zero, so I ended up getting third place in the final round. And the rest is history, actually, because, I mean, uh, Jack and Dave from Empire, they actually, for third place, I think they were giving away a 500-size Gowie Electric, and they're like, you can you can have the Gowie Electric, or we can, we can put you in our team. And then I took the team option, and everything spiraled awesome. from there. So I guess I made the right decision with Gowie for a really long time. Real long. Yeah, so probably 08 to 2019 maybe? Was it? Man. Probably 10 years, yeah. That's a long one. That's like Dahl and Mikado like forever. Oh, I think I, the only difference I think is that Dahl's really only ever been in mm-hmm. Mikado right now. You have... So let's let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about your current sponsors. Uh, currently, I'm sponsored by Futaba, Miniature Aircraft, mm. and so Scorpion Power getting, Systems. Uh, now people could zone in on who Bob is. I'm <laughs> sure. I, I think you guys let it slip a couple times already. AJ did yeah, one. You did. Let it no, no, I think once. Really? So I heard good. it. We'll, we'll play the, it back. The power of editing. Damn it. <laughs> it is. I did too. <laughs> so hard. I let it slip one time. <laughs> I know. I knew Gucci did, but I was like, ah, oh, Gucci did it first. But no. <laughs> yeah, you were you were before AJ. No, we'll uh, we'll cut it out. No big deal. But so you got Futaba, Miniature Aircraft, and Scorpion. Okay, that's man, that's the best of the best. I love yes, it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. What else we got? All right, what do we got here? <laughs> All right, so what is your favorite heli currently? Favorite heli currently. Um. So this goes back to when I first started. The first pilot I really ever saw fly a helicopter was Jim Stark. And just so happened he was a pro. And he told me when I was a wee little boy before I, uh, if you want to get good, 
flying helicopters, you got to fly the same model all the time. So the only model I really fly is the Whiplash 730E. Um, I and before that it was it was the Gowie. So I'd say right now that the, the go to is the Whiplash, just because you know what it's going to do. It flies the same. I mean, even the 500s these days they fly good, but it's just there, there's always difference. You, I mean, the disc loading and the size of discs, everything's different. So I stick with one model and I fly the same model every time. That's smart. That's smart. <laughs> you better run the block a time or two, haven't you, Bob? <laughs> Once or twice. Well, uh, what's next for you in the hobby, man? What are you going to do? More events? Are you going to try and compete again, maybe? Or what's next? I'm kicking around the competing idea. Um, we'll see. Obviously, real life gets involved as you know Kyle definitely gets a lot harder um yeah. I miss run rider having all the events listed out there it's it's hard for me to the plan like what events coming up because there's no way that I know of to just look at all the events like all right this is what's going on this year so by the time I figure out there's an event it's like someone told me or they messaged me and it's like oh it's in three weeks and it's like shit I didn't I didn't plan on this let me try to pull some strings and see if I can get there so I feel like we need a, a list of all the uh, events the only one that I know about is the only finehelis.com they have yeah they have a schedule okay I got a list know, down once there again, I'll have to look. he only updates uh, Shannon only updates it when people message him and say hey we have a fun fly which that's the hard part you know it's like I got a plan now start planning out the one in Ohio and it's like it's coming up quick, you know, although it's July, it's already February, you know, so I need to get on that. But yeah, that's that's a good point, because I think a lot, that's not the first time we've heard that comment. You know, we need like a centralized, you know, location to pull that information from online, hopefully, you know. Even if it's something they can do on the Hangout where it's like whatever, once a month or every two weeks or something, they just, they update the list and just repost it, just. Because, I mean, yeah, by the time I figure something out, like I said, it's last minute and I'm trying to pull strings where if I knew all the events I wanted to go to right now, I could start planning it in advance. They should do it at the same time they do the uh, the the list of who's posted and commented and liked the most. You get the, Definitely. You get that and then you get the, hey, in the next two months, here's the next, you know, here or here's the event list for the next however many months. Get planning ahead. I mean, people, some people need, you know, yeah. they need to put their vacation in, you know, almost yearly, right? So they need to get in you know get that in soon so it's a good idea talk to talk to do you have uh talking about events do you have a favorite event fun fly from last year last year definitely rcho um obviously it was hard with all the covid and what events to go to and i gotta thank stacy for that uh that was the most last minute ever this is the day before i stacy's like why don't you get in the car drive 14 hours straight and come out to north carolina and I did it, and it was a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. So I go RCHO for 2021. So obviously you're going to be hitting RCHO again here this year. Do you have any other events, hopefully Urcha, uh, that you're planning on hitting this year that you know about thus far? So if people want to come and see Bob from Mexico, they know where to go? Definitely Urcha. Um, still debating on Frank's event in Miami. I think that's coming up this month, right? Or is it next month? Uh, next month, yeah, March. Next month, March. Um, that's what I said. I, I need a list. I, I don't know <laughs> what's out there to, to plan in advance. Um, kind of just take them as they come. I'm going to try to do spring fling definitely again in Virginia. That's always a fun mm-hmm. one or the mow down. I guess it's the next one, the fall mow down. Try to get out there again. It's been a, a couple of years since I've been out to Virginia. That's that used to be my, my favorite event of the year. 
or or wherever Stacy texts me the day before. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you apprised. I'll let you know. I'm gonna get you out to the West Coast again here this year too. When was I went out to a couple West Coast ones? What did I go out for? The rodeo, the all the Arizona. I used to come out to the Arizona one, right? Yeah, well, that's what I went to uh, RCHO instead of last year. Yeah, bastard. I think that would be fun and easy to travel to. Mm-hmm. It's a fun event. Rodeo is always a good time. It's just it's always a hassle trying to get <laughs> cases, and then the cases break or the models mm-hmm. don't I fit looked out or for something like ship. that. I just shipped all my crap down, or well, one heli, <laughs> and then I made it really easy to pack it back up. Cheater, you know. <laughs> No, that's always easy, yeah. Disassembly, granted. Especially at RCHL, it's definitely easy to pack up. They make it really easy there. I think there's a freaking magnet in the middle of the field or something. The fire pit. So annoying. The fire pit. The fire pit. Uh, well, do you uh, foresee any major changes to your fleet? Maybe setup, uh, components? I mean, I'm sure you're going to stick with miniature, but... Looking at any changes this year? Um, I definitely want to explore the, the telemetry. Um, I need to get some of those new scorpions so I can fully integrate my telemetry into Futaba. I'm real basic. Once it works good, I don't change anything. I really haven't changed my setup since I started flying miniature. Um, all the settings have been the same. Even through crashes, I put the blades back on and just don't change anything. So... I would say the only major change is probably adding telemetry. I, I've never used telemetry. I, I guess it's something cool, maybe. So I stopped killing batteries. Yeah, I'm with you, but man. Yeah. It's hard to hard to get started. It seems like it's addictive once you get going on it. But man, that getting started on that's a bitch. I, yeah, I mean, I personally never had any lick of telemetry on any of my my models, just because I mean, I'm not looking mm-hmm. at the screen. I'm looking at the helicopter. So. And timers were always optional for me. I never got around to programming a timer. So when the batteries were dead, they were dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. So just for, for any listeners that are contemplating on, on flying miniature, what made you switch to miniature? Was it just the natural progression that they offered an awesome product? Or was it other things more specific that made you switch? Um, I think it was a combination of both. A lot of it was uh, personal. Because I, I flew miniature aircraft, obviously, for that first contest. Yep. Uh, always liked, loved miniature quality. Uh, it's definitely quality that I've never seen in other models before. And then when I was flying Gowie, we were just going in different paths. They were working on a lot of their UAV agricultural stuff and didn't see much progression mm-hmm. in the, the hobby stuff, at least that what I wanted. So I was fortunate enough to fly one of the miniatures at Urcha. I saw them working on the turbines and all the stuff they had in the future. And I noticed the quality was was still the same as it was back then, even after switching owners. And now they're in Germany now. And like I said, the the quality of the parts they made there, they're all hand uh, hand quality tested. Or what did you try to say? Uh, what does it, it say? QNC quality control. It's a, they check all their parts with by hand there, and it's definitely definitely different building a model. Interesting. So talking about miniature, anything coming up in the future? Any rumblings or something from miniature? There, there's some stuff in the future. Mm. Just keep your eyes peeled. I can't give out any secrets yet. That's awesome. There's I'm always excited. some, always something in the works. Sweet. Yeah. No miniatures. Miniatures back, and they're they're coming full force. That's for sure. Uh, any more questions that you guys Very could cool. think of, or should we reveal 
or have Bob reveal his true, true, true name. Let's I'm do sure it. like the boxer you go to a phone booth or something and come out as go in as Bob and come out as not Bob. So for our listeners, reveal who you are, Bob. Oh, I'm sure it's pretty <laughs> obvious. You know, AJ already slipped it up, but uh <laughs> Uh, Mitch Morosis. Yep. Bob from Mexico. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a great time. That's all. No, uh, we really appreciate taking the time. Um, and usually uh, we like, you know, if you would like to be contacted, how can people reach out to you and get in touch? Maybe they have a question about, you know, the telemetry on Futaba or anything like that. Or miniature. Obviously, you've flown miniature now for a couple of years. How, what's the easiest way to contact Mitch Morosis? Uh, the easiest way is definitely Facebook Messenger. It's the one I get most of the questions on. So if I'm looking, it's going to be there. Definitely Facebook Messenger. Or just comment on any of the, any posts or anything like that. I'm usually pretty good about oh, seeing well, those. Well, we thank you. And, and I know you. we have to work around the, your schedule. And we had no problem doing that because... For many of us that have been around, obviously Kyle and AJ have known you a lot longer than I have, but I've, I think all the way back to 2012, you know, we learned really quick, <laughs> even as a new hobbyist in the heli community who, you know, like the level of flying and obviously you competed, um, you try to promote and, and bring out the, the sponsors that you might've had at the time. And that's, you know, that's all we could ask for. And we appreciate you showing us some of them sweet flights in the middle of the street at night. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. So if you're an average Joe, or you want to come on the show as an average Joe, questions, show ideas, go ahead and send us, shoot us an email at theheliheadshow at gmail.com. And... Be sure to like our Facebook, follow, and subscribe to us on Podbean and iTunes. Leave us yep. a review. Oh, yeah. If you want to be extra spice spicy. it up. Don't leave parts of your helicopter. You know, just saying. Just shoot us an email. But as always, don't forget to give a shout out to the other Heli podcast, uh, podcasters and video personalities in our hobby. Obviously, they keep us entertained especially in the winter cold months because we definitely do a lot of youtube watching so all right parting words ready to go you guys ready yeah we'll let mitch go last he'll get some inspiration from all of us going first all right it's mine or most of the same hashtag gasser will for sure fly by 2023 oh lord hashtag florida winter sucks yes i know i'm complaining <laughs> for no reason and that's all right shut up and last but not least, hashtag Eric Shue is more famous than my entire heli career. Yeah, Eric Shue is. All right, AJ, what you got? So first of all, I just want to thank you guys for letting me guest host here. Um, and, you know, and, and some other people stay. I'm glad that we actually recorded this one. Last time I was on, there was some recording issues. Luckily, Gucci is under control. Uh, so I think that I'm going to stick. I'm going to start with uh, guest host, best host, because I have a big... Uh, we'll go hashtag. I still want to retire. Uh, you know, real work and competition. Yeah, don't don't, don't yeah. expect the retirement the, from the Hellyhead show. I'll tell you that because our budget is still undetermined <laughs> or zero. Ah, uh, well, you know, zero. That that sounds pretty determined to me. So, 
And I think lastly, uh, hashtag I still solder some stuff. Uh, I can't believe you. Like how how you mm-hmm. like like just one foot in the water. Like you don't solder your motor ESC connectors, but you solder. No, I do solder. Or yeah, I don't solder those. I just switch to those, but I haven't. The problem is I want to. I'd have to switch from the I think the sixes to the sevens, and I just. Don't want to do that. So AJ. I don't yeah, I'm the same to... as AJ, just backwards. Like I don't solder batteries, but I solder motor to ESC. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Mitch, do you solder? Solder everything. Part yeah. of my hashtag coming up. Are you worry. ready? All right. Oh, hit yeah. us. Hit us. We'll do uh hashtag Bob from Mexico, obviously. <laughs> Seems to be a popular one. Do uh no tail gears are safe. That was clear at our CHO, that's for sure. <laughs> and then uh hashtag EC5 for life. Are you an EC5? Nice. Oh, Woof. I mean, I was a Dean's guy forever. I made it switch to EC5. I don't, I don't see switching in the future. Man, too many things set up for EC5. It's too hard to switch everything over. <laughs> well, that's the that's that's the trick to go to solderless. You don't have to worry about soldering anything. It literally could get it done in like five minutes. That is very appealing to me. We might we have to take a look at the solderless mm, though. Interesting. Maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe next year. <laughs> Twenty twenty three goal. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The question is, will Mitch and I go from go to solderless before the gasser is ready? I think that's the challenge. Ooh. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, probably. How long has the gasser been on the bench? I'm not I'm not up to speed here. I saw a picture. Yeah. Um I got my gasser conversion uh before Urcha. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're not looking good. So Gary, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, my friend, but we're we're crossing <laughs> the finish line here. In the next couple months, for sure. Well, it looks like you're over the hill. So, oh yeah, yeah, we're getting close. What you need to do, Mitch, just every now and again, like every other night, to be like, I need, I need you, I need three more screws from you. Just put in three more. (laughs) Doesn't don't even like tight them because at this rate, it doesn't really matter. They're gonna be all rusted into place by the time he flies it. So, Mm -mm -mm. (sighs) definitely needs Loctite. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Let's do so. I'll close it up. You guys ready? Hashtag yeah. flag baller. I love my F3C stuff. Hashtag 3M or bust. Hashtag I'm starting to fly like skids. Yes, I, I put a couple in in the past couple months. Hashtag nice. camper sexual because listen, if I need to lay my head down at the end of the the flying day or flying morning, because I usually fly through the night. Why not? And then hashtag to him flights are the bomb. I think RCHO was by far the most fun I ever had all the way till like two in the morning. Let's see. Hashtag get in there deep. Yep. Crash good. If you're going to crash, at least crash good. And then hashtag rolling in deep. But as deep as it could go, and still have somewhat like fifty percent of the heli left, so it's not a complete recap. Perfect. And that's it. Well, thank you, everybody. This is episode number sixty-four with Bob from Mexico, aka Mitch Morozas, all the way from Illinois. Thank you. Catch you next time. Thanks for having me.